Today on the show, we're talking about things to consider when moving out of home. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with Trevor, and today we're talking about things to consider when moving out of home. So we're back next this week with another episode. Uh, we were we were absent last week, but we're here today to talk about something that we think everyone, well, everyone I'm, we're sure can relate to. Everyone has, has left home, I, I hope so, <laughs> at some point, or, or they're going to be leaving home, or they're now a parent and they have a child who's going to be leaving home. So this is something everybody can relate to and can reflect on. So, and I, I, the thing about leaving home, it's, it, it's really you launching into your, your new life as, a, as an adult in the world, is if you get this wrong, you can correct it, but it's going to take an external force, somebody who has your best interest at heart to get you on the right track. If you start out on the wrong path, getting you on the right path, it, it, it can be hard and it, 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 it's going to require somebody who really has your best interest at heart. So if you just say your, your parents obviously have your best interest at heart and just say you, you venture out on into the world on your own, you're moving out of home and just say it's in another city three hours away and just say you're getting it wrong every day. There's nobody there observing that, you know, your parents might come and visit, you know, every three months, every six months and you've got your, your game face on and you're putting your, your best self in front of your parents, they might not know you're getting it wrong. So I think getting getting out on your own, but having a support system, I'm going to say your parents, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, somebody who cares about you to, to kind of reflect on, on what things they did wrong and sort of help you on your path without being too controlling. I think if you can have that in your life, I think it can really make a difference. So Trevor, we always say here on the podcast that your living expense it will more like most likely be your largest expense. So what do you say out of all the kind of the decisions that you can make? This one might be one of the most significant ones. Well, it, it, like when you say living expense, you're talking about a, an apartment or a house. Yeah, I, I would say that where you reside probably maybe takes up the biggest portion of your your income. And and if you just say you pick a place that's too expensive. The efforts involved in moving and the costs involved in moving, you may just try to live with it when really the math isn't working and you shouldn't. So you're right. It's a, it's a big decision. But you also, you, I think it's our nature to want to live in the, the nicest or safest or cleanest or um, then the, the, the best place we can live because where you live, it kind of it defines you in a lot of ways. And and actually, while you while you brought that up, I mean, we talk about this all. I know we've talked about this in past episodes, but we always want to mimic the the lifestyles of our parents. But and I I'm guilty of this, and maybe our listeners are too. And Trevor, you might be as well. But when we're moving out, we're leaving this 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 nest that our parents have worked their whole life to develop, and and we weren't there for the developing development process. I know I, I've said this before on the podcast, but my parents only recently, maybe in the last two three years have kind of really told me and really went into um, what li- their life was like when they were my age. And that life looks so dramatically different than it does for them now. So to be able to kind of compare my self now to their life now as well is, is kind of unfair to myself. And it puts a lot of a pressure on myself to, to live up to that, that home I just left. Well, I think it's on the parents to make sure 
and and kids might get tired of hearing stories of when they started out in life. But I think as a parent, you need to put your humble beginnings in front of your children as often as possible. And don't make it stories that I walked up hills both ways to school <laughs> in snow chest high. Those stories, they get old and hurt in fast. But quite often I will... I I will, if I see a, so when I started on my own, I had this uh, orange floral couch I got from my grandmother. And, that's nice. And anytime I, I see a floral couch that's somewhat hideous, <laughs> <laughs> I will make a point of saying I had a couch like that to my kids, right? So I, I will point out the things I had, the crappy sort of makeshift things I had in my life. Like I, I had an old sort of, 1970s kitchen table set in the 1980s so and and if I see one in at a yard sale or a used store secondhand store I will if my kids are with me I'll say I had a table just like that you know I, I want them to know the crap I had and a lot of times I, I keep a few relics from my past around as just a reminder of my humble beginnings and and hopefully my, my kids saw that or, or most parents they probably they they don't do enough of that. You know, that's a favor you could do your kids. And they might look like your kids aren't listening, but they may reflect on it when, in a, you know, when, when it becomes relevant. So I think everybody's probably guilty. If you think about it, you leave home, you're leaving a home that your parents spent 30 years building, you know, a life they spent 30 years building. And that is your point of reference. Like it or not, that's, that's the conditions you lived in. And now you're on your own. And what, what I think, what has to, having your own place and being in control of your own destiny, that has to be the selling point. That has to be why you moved out, right? Not because, because if it's the comforts of home, if that's what you coveted, you're probably never going to leave. So it's kind of on your parents to make living at home a little less comfortable. So, so when you do leave, you, 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 you kind of realize you're, you're not leaving this comfort zone. A lot of parents will charge children that are reluctant to move out. I highly recommend charging your children room and board and set it at a price where it's a little uncomfortable. And hopefully you're in a position that when they do move out, you can give them that money back. And, and that gives them a great uh, launching pad. But if your kids hang around too long, Charging them, you know, making it expensive, you know, hitting them in the wallet might motivate them to move out. And then they're going to, a lot of times you'll look at, you know, what was the alternative to moving out? Because now I have this apartment in a crappy apartment with crappy furniture. You know, what a crazy move that was. You know, why did I move out of home with all the comforts? You have to make them, your your kids reflect back and know that, that those weren't, those weren't comfortable times. I had to pay an exorbitant amount or an uncomfortable amount to live there. So that was not sustainable. So you have to create, or if your kids had access to your car, but didn't have to pay for any of the car related expenses, there's another comfort of home. So you have to make living at home, not the best option. As hard as that might be as a parent, I think it's on you to to help your kids grow, you got to create this uncomfortable environment that will make them want to move on on their own and become adults. 
So I'm happy you brought that up, actually, the charging your child to, to, li- to live at home. Was this something you practiced? And I mean, as a child, um, I fortunately uh, moved out before this was the case, before my parents had to, to take that, uh, that measure. But does it not, would you not seem, it would not seem a little cruel or a little bit of unusual punishment to, to have this home, your, your home where, where you feel safe and, and, and welcome to, to therefore then have a, have a dollar value on it. I went to post-secondary education and I lived at home while I was doing it. And when I graduated from school and got a job, I had to pay room and board. So I, I'm a, I'm speaking from a position of experience. And I think if you create an environment that keeps your children at home, they are not growing as people. And you are actually in some, at some level, an abusive parent. If, if you're creating an environment where your child cannot grow and having real life expenses and real life decisions to make is how you grow. And so if you are living under the care of your parents and you're in your thirties or late twenties and you're not, you're, you're stagnating. And I think it's your, your parents are doing you a huge disservice by, by creating an environment where you want to stay at home. So I think as, as a parent, I, I think it's on, you have to do this. It's, you have to motivate your children to want to spread their wings and become adults. So we now have uh, five things that we feel are important to consider before moving out. And we're going to kind of discuss that and, and maybe rank them in order of, of what we feel is that is truly important. Well, oddly enough, they're going to, the ranking coming from your perspective is going to be different than the ranking coming from my perspective. So, so it'd be interesting to see how, how these five things play out. Oh, for sure. And I, and I think that's another thing too, to consider before we even get into these five points is that. I think times do change by generation and the circumstances um, and, and even the cost of living. I think that all kind of will change maybe the experiences we had and, and, and earn a perspective on those experiences. So Trevor, do you want to throw out one of yours first? So I think the most important thing, and this is something I did not do and wish I did. Is, well, I kind of did and I kind of did. I did it halfway. So when I first moved out, I the first piece of furniture I got was this orange floral orange couch from my grandmother. And I, it was, it was your wait first. Your friends must've been jealous. It was utterly hideous. I mean, I, I it was just, I guess at some point in time, this thing was beautiful. And cause my grandmother bought it new, but I put that thing in my living room and then I needed a, a, a table and chair set. So I, I, I went out and bought a new table and chair set and I bought a new, television i bought a new console to hold my television i bought uh and as soon as i started adding new things to this apartment all the used stuff looked horrible so i had to replace it so you got this ditto effect right so you and I, you know you got this thing where you want things to match and and then uh, i my bedroom was full of used furniture and i slowly started putting new stuff in there i i, I so for me i should have gone with used furniture and I, I should have stuck with you stuff until that you stuff wore out. I, I, the, as soon as you buy new things for your place, it, it just motivates you to continue to, to, you know, make everything match and, and, and look nice. And, and, and then you invite your young friends over who, who maybe 
don't have an appreciation for the, the new things you bought and they kind of treat them like, like they're still in university and your stuff gets wrecked. So I wish looking back, I, I wish I would have furnished my, and dishes too. You, 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 again, you got young friends coming over, dishes got broken and you had a match set. Now you got like three plates instead of four, right? Cause one broke <laughs> and, and all that stuff created a lot of stress and the thing I, I missed was I I was, you know, in my early 20s and all my friends were in their early 20s. Well, there's they all had used stuff. They had what I called junk in their apartments and they treated their stuff as if it was junk. And then they come to my place and my place is all new stuff, but they treated it like it was junk and, and it was it, it created a lot of stress. I spent a lot of money I didn't really have to spend on these new things, but it all started with... I can, I, I remember this. It all started with that new kitchen table and chair set. And it was, it was a nice set made of like, you know, fine wood. And you, it's when you, you know, you'd put placemats down cause you didn't want to wreck the table. Well, <laughs> my friends didn't get that. Like, you know, there was beer bottles and stuff stacked on it. So that's something I wish I would have. And then of course, once you buy new stuff, when you go to replace it, well, you're not going to go replace it with second hand because you've already got this champagne taste for nice furniture so you you actually have to get rid of all your furniture if you want to go used because you can't have, you know, trust me, you can't appreciate bits and pieces. So I, I wish I would have bought all used furniture and stuck with used furniture until that stuff wore out. And then maybe when I got my first house, I would start to furnish it with new stuff. I, I don't know when I would have made that transition, but I wish I would have started with used. So my first question is, I mean, I was going to say what influenced you to to want this 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 kind of lavish new light like or new furniture lifestyle. I mean, I was going to say maybe it was your friends, but they they obviously weren't on the same page as you. So so where where did that kind of influence come from? You know, it all goes back to that orange couch. <laughs> that orange couch was the was my cuz the problem with that orange couch, it was too ugly. It it was too so, far off the edge. And so my my 20-year-old friends who had junk, they st- they gave me no end of harassment over this floral orange couch. And so it was, it was that couch that I said, and I just had a complex about it. So it all goes back to that couch. So why didn't you just replace the couch and stop there? Well, because like, I needed a table and chair set. I didn't have a table and chair set. So I, I needed that next. And I said, well, I'm not going to go to my grandmother again because I'm going to guess that table and chair might be orange. I don't know, but it'll be ugly. So I didn't want to, get it from them so and you know thrift shops and used things didn't really exist at the same level they do today so finding something secondhand it was like at a yard sale like and i needed it fairly soon because i needed somewhere to eat so but i think had i not started with that that orange couch because because it was too far the other way you know it was it was and it was worn out too so it was it was too far it, it, it too extreme that I wanted to compensate for this this hideous piece of furniture with something nice and new. So I, I think that's where it went off the rails. So looking back, would you have kind of uh, graciously not accepted the the orange floral couch? And do you think that would have made the difference? Or do you think, what, what do you think would have made the difference? Like what's that, what's a, what's a lesson for our listeners from this one point? I, I think I, I should have just, I should have went to yard sales and found something used. I, that That's the only solution I can think of. I, I, I think, had I been more, had I, had I made furnishing my apartment not so important or so urgent, 
and just let stuff accumulate as I found them, I, th- I think it might have been a better outcome. So flash forward to now then, I mean, you said that you, it would have been hard for you to go back and, and start accumulating used things. Has that changed now? When did, has that kind of, you're having that revelation obviously now. So you're, you are, you have moved since that, that first home, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming so. And so has, have things changed? Are you okay with used furniture now? And, and how did you kind of get over that hump? How can our, our listeners maybe get over that same hump? Well, as every parent knows, when you had kids, <laughs> you can't have nice things. <laughs> and so that's when that's when it all changed. So all my all my nice new things got tarnished and and destroyed as my kids came along, and, and then I got over my my need for new and nice things because you can't have nice things when you have kids. So your first point and recap of things to consider when moving out of home is to uh, not rush into buying uh, new furniture or or don't uh, don't engage with the Diderot effect. Uh, just start buy start accumulating things for your new home used i think would be the the lesson or the the thing to to things to consider when you're moving out on your own is think used first and and maybe not put so much pressure on yourself to to have this nice pristine home the first time you move out because i I think that can kind of get built up in our head as well i mean go to any thrift store and there are stacks and stacks of plates and cups and bowls like more than you'll ever ever need in your life so I'm going to flip the table over to me now for my kind of first, first kind of point. And I have two, but I, I've been debating which one I feel is more important, but I think I'll go, I'll go, th- I'll go with this, this point that I'm about to say here. And I would say location, location, location. That is, that is what I feel the, the most important thing to consider about when moving out of home. And I, there's and I there's I said location three times because there's a couple I think of aspects to consider when you consider location. There's the city or town you move to when you move out of home. There is um, the place in which uh, you reside within a specific town or city, and then there is the specific um, place in which you reside. So kind of three different aspects of location, um, and. And, and again, a couple different factors will impact where you move to when you move out of home. It could be based on the, um, the post-secondary institute you choose to attend. And I think that's also important to consider. So I like that you use the location three times and then you put a definition around it. So just so location is the city or town you live in. Then location number two is the neighborhood you live in. And location number three is the dwelling at which you live in. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and, and you have, again, three times to either do that right or do that wrong or do a combination of right and wrong within those. And when I say right and wrong, I'm talking from a financial uh, perspective, of course. So I would say you know, choosing the city, I, I think that's, that's paramount. And, and if you chose Toronto or Vancouver, I think you would have chose wrong. Would you agree? That's... Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. Like, and to and live in if those you cities, do, you you need you need a really good reason, i.e., a really good income to be there. That's what I was about to say. You need a good a good either income or you need. If in my case, when I moved out, it was to attend uh, post secondary. So if I mean, I didn't move to one, either Vancouver or Toronto, but. I mean, I have I had a lot of friends who moved to Toronto. Um, for there, there's some like art. Um, there's, there's some great graphic design and, and good kind of uh, creative 
programs out in Toronto. Um, OCAD um, is one school out there, and, and I have friends who went there. And it, again, it, there's nothing like it in, in Ontario. That was a fantastic school for them. So there has to be, I think, a good reason. So you didn't choose the city you live in. You went to school there, and you just yeah. You just so I I moved. I I moved to the city I moved to due to I guess yeah that's a good that's a good thing because I kind of did pick there's tons of schools um luckily in proximity to where let me ask the second question did you choose your neighborhood yes I chose my neighborhood there's a great busing system in the city I live in so I did choose my neighborhood and did you did you choose your dwelling or did was it a default of you know in this neighborhood this is the only place I can afford to live so twofold question so uh, in my first year, I lived in, in residence, so I, 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 I did. I kind of had to choose one. Of, I wanted to live in, on, on campus because that was a nice transition. So I. So I assume your parents paid for your schooling. So while you're on your parents' dime, where you uh, this is when you became an so adult after and you school. school. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Fair. Yes. So did did you choose your neighborhood and did you choose your dwelling? Because you didn't choose your city, right? No, I guess the school chose this. Chose my city. Um. But yeah, no, where I lived, I definitely chose that. And I chose that, I guess I'll kind of contrast the two different locations I lived in within the city, which made the difference. And that's why I say location is so important. So um, I lived, I lived out kind of on the outskirts of the city. I had to bus, uh, take the bus anytime I wanted because that was, that's my, I don't have a car here in the city. It's easier to kind of take the bus. So I, I had to bus down to the core, downtown core anytime I wanted to do anything. So that kind of limited what was around me and the kind of walk outside, and enjoy the scenery type of feel from where I lived. The rent was a lot lower, but I, I truly believe my happiness and, and life satisfaction was a lot lower. Plus um, the job that I got, it was on the opposite end of the city. So having to, so that's kind of one of the reasons I moved is to be closer to work, but I would have had to bus across the city and it'd spend more time on a bus than, than a lot of, uh, than at home in the evenings and, and in the morning. So that was kind of Im- impacting my enjoyment of life. So moving downtown, uh, it, when I moved downtown, I, I kind of chose the location with it with a slightly higher price tag, but there's also some other kind of intangible benefits that came along with that. So you, so you chose your neighborhood by the sounds of it, but d- did you choose your dwelling that you live in? Yes. Yeah. So I chose an apartment, uh, just based on there was three of us moving into a home. So I did live with friends, um, during in this next transition. So living with the, with three friends, I living in an apartment was definitely manageable and, 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 and really kind of cater to what we needed. So I, I guess you could almost say you chose the city by choosing not to leave. Yes, I, I can. Yeah, way, I did choose right? the city and, so maybe it's safe to say you should choose is so in in your example you should you tell me two out of three you you should be you should be making conscious decisions about two out of those three location issues yeah i agree because i mean look at you trevor you moved from you moved from one but more one city where the cost of living was higher than where you currently live, but you made that active decision to do so. So I think when we're looking at our largest living expenses, we can't throw our hands up in the air and, and maybe be victim to our living situation when, when we have actively chosen that. Because in order, if we do want to uh, save more or we do want our income, our expense or our expense out of the equation to, to, to change, we have to change one of those factors either the area that you live in within the within the town or city, 
w- the actual physical place you're living or the city you're living in entirely. So I think I think this is why this point's so important. Well, let's let's just say let's just say you got it wrong and just say you chose Toronto. The neighborhood was downtown and in a expensive condo building. Just say you got that wrong to start out. To change that, you know, just say to get out of Toronto, get a job in another city, that that's a monumental tran- transition, right? That that that's hard to correct. Would you agree? Like that 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 people do it all the time, but it, it, you know, to go find a job in another city, go to an interview, find a place to live and, and move, and make that all work out, and all the timing of you know leaving one job, starting the next job, uh, that that kind of transition is really hard. Oh, I agree. And and so to your point, I do think if you can get two to three, um, quote unquote, right financially, then I think you're good. So in your case, if you, if you move at a downtown Toronto and if, or and if you move into a different, uh, different, uh, less expensive um, house or apartment, that might correct your situation. So it just kind of, we always talk about the levers to pull and we say that one of, I mean, there's also, there's a lot of levers to pull, but when, when it comes to housing, you kind of, you can, you have a couple levers to pull with your last lever to pull, uh, moving to a different town. And you did that Trevor. So it's not impossible, but it definitely, I'm sure, can't, I'm sure it was challenging. Well, so my, my transition, I was able to commute to the town I was choosing. So, you know, just say I, I, found a job in a town three hours away, that's another lever. That's a whole other uh, consideration. That's a harder transition. Not saying it can't be done. People do it all the time. They rent hotel rooms. They rent apartments waiting waiting to sell their home or, or they're waiting for the family to move to the new home. So, I mean, all this is possible, but I think, so we're talking about things to, to kind of to not get wrong when you start out in life. I think if if you're in one of Canada's most expensive cities and you're graduating from school, you need a really good reason to start out life in that expensive city. I mean, you need a a, a solid reason, meaning the industry I'm in, that's the only place I can find work. I would, but also I'd caution you from moving to a small town to start out life because the opportunities are pretty slim, right? There's not as many job opportunities. So I think, finding a a moderate sized city with a moderate amount of opportunities is probably a really good place to start out life. I wonder what the sti- I wonder what the statistics are on people that never leave the town they kind of start out in. I assume that's pretty high because if you if you give the if if, you, if you're looking at if you move to a, a somewhere else for school, I mean co-op positions could could land you a job there or and it's you kind of sometimes just look within there because it's easier, right? It's easier to kind of get a job based on where you're already living, and and that that's given if you never do leave the town that you grew up in as well or the city. And I think when you're young and starting out, a lot of times you're just looking for a job opportunity, and you'll do anything and go anywhere for that a job opportunity to build that experience. So I think I'm kind of making this sound, you know, you just pick where you want to live and get a job, and it all works out. But for sure, you have to, you know, you really need that first job. You really need that that first year of experience before you can can start to dictate where you'll live, in what cities. So I'm making it, you know, I'm making it sound way easier than it is. I I think getting that first job, you should probably be prepared to go anywhere, but you know, maybe not set down solid, lasting roots. Be 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 somewhat of a nomad. Be prepared to relocate or move. 
if if a a better opportunity arises and when i say opportunity you have to weigh uh you, you the you know the money you you get paid from a certain job and the cost of living in that area if you find somewhere where the you can live where there's better math meaning your income to expenses is 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 a better math equation you'd move there right so that but but i think you, you can't oversimplify this one so to recap, my first uh, thing to consider when, when moving out of home is location, location, location. So Trevor, let's flip it over to you. What is What would you say your second most important thing to consider before moving out of home? So I'm going to say get on a budget. And, and uh, the minute you start earning money, you should be on a budget, in my opinion. I, I think that's a great way to start out your money-earning life. But once you have real-world expenses... Expenses that if these expenses aren't paid, there's real life consequences, like when you have utilities and rent and and you have to buy groceries and, and just life expenses. When you have all these and you, you don't have a budget and a lot of people start out life hoping the math works out, hoping there's more money than there is month of expenses. And, and, and if, if it works out with the first month, you'll think, well, it, maybe it'll work out every month, right? And they kind of flying blind. So I think starting out your life when you leave home, you know, as soon as you pack that last thing in a suitcase, set up a budget. Do not, do not leave your parents' home without a, a budget, a budgeting app, a budgeting software, pen and paper, whatever, but something to manage your known expenses. And I think that is mission critical because if you don't do this and it, it, it seems to work out, and it works out in the next month and you get through a whole year and it, you still have money in the bank and all your bills are getting paid and it's working out. You, I'm not going to say you didn't get lucky for 12 years. You probably have more money than expenses, but your as your life evolves, you want to know, you, you need a roadmap. You need some sort of, of, of tool to manage that. So I, I think that is mission critical. And if you start out life with a budget, it's going to be a discipline that you carry on through your life and, course we've gone on and on about the benefits of budgets and and how critical they are to getting ahead financially so i think having setting up a financial budget as soon as you leave home is mission critical so trevor is that something you you practice when you moved out of of home for the first time so i I did have a budget it was kind of a very rudimentary thing it wasn't very detailed but i i did have a tool to track the ins and outs of, of my money but uh when I met my wife, she's the master bookkeeper, and and we, I, I thought I had a budget, and she, she showed me what our budgeting was really all about, and 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 took it took it to another level. So, I've had most of my adult life, I've had uh, sort of the the master of all bookkeepers in in my life, that being my wife. So let's uh, let's I want to move on to my second one now too, and. My second one, and I guess this might not apply to everyone depending on your situation, but mine is pick who you live with wisely. And I, I again, if, if, you're, if you're moving out and, and maybe you're moving out on your own, this is going to apply to you. But for me, it was kind of the difference maker in that I, I, I wasn't living in a first year of, uh, in residence, as I was saying. And and I had to make that decision of who I wanted to live with. And I think it's surrounding yourself by like-minded people who will support you in, in your independent journey and, and maybe spend money similarly to you is, is, is really critical to, to your own success. And, 
And I mean, it, you are who you surround yourself by. You're, you're the closest. You, we always say that here on the podcast. So I think that would definitely be my second because it kind of launches you down that that path and and, and it makes your decision and, and based on your friends decisions too, kind of validates your own decisions and, and how you spend money. So I really like this one. And here's a little story. It, it, it relates to my youngest daughter. So she started with her post-secondary time in a, a renting a, an apartment with, with two other friends. And she was the least financially responsible, the least in this group of three people. And the other two people were extremely financially responsible and, you know, very adamant bills got paid on time and everyone paid their fair share. And they, they maybe even bared bear, bear most of the burden of furnishing the place, them, you know, more so than my daughter did. So these, these other two people were very financially responsible. But with that, they, my daughter found them very controlling and very sort of, they felt like they were, she was still living with parents, you know, so, and she didn't like that. So in her second year, she found two different friends who were a lot of fun to be around. And just, it was, it was a, seemed to be a party every day of the week. You know, there was just fun, 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 fun. And, and so she's, she's taken up an apartment with these other two friends. And now my daughter turns out to be the most financial responsible person out of this group of three. And it turns out it's not enough financial responsibility to, to make things work out every month. So it's been a real eye opener for her that all she saw was her, her first two friends she lived with. All she saw was their flaws and, and all the things that they, they just felt like parents. And she, she was just put the blinders on to pick two new friends to live with in her second year. And these, these other two people, uh, she's the one chasing them to, you know, to pay their fair share and be financially responsible. And so as a parent, I think it's a great learning opportunity and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it because I know my daughter's growing by leaps and bounds and, and she's seeing sort of the, the benefits of the friends she left behind and the flaws of the friends she's currently with. So I think if you can get this wrong early enough in life where it's not detrimental, meaning you, you can see the two extremes and, and actually not see them but live them and living them is different than just observing them because it's, it's every day this constant whatever that you don't like is on you then when you particularly so she has insulation of she's got her parents somewhat supporting her so when she does go out on her own now she's got these two perspectives so if she's picking people to live with when she's done school and she's financing her own life i think her eyes have been opened to a whole other degree and and i i couldn't have i couldn't have found that experience for her like it's just, I think it's worked out remarkably well. As, 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 as painful as this current year is going to be for her with her friends who are not financially responsible, she's going to learn a ton. So as a parent and maybe for any other parents listening to this who, who will be setting their child free into, into the real world, how, how is, is that, has that experience been challenging on you though as a parent to be able to kind of stand back and watch your child make these uh, these financial decisions without you being able to kind of really really intervene because these are her choices and who she lives with and and what she what she does. Well, as a parent, I could easily just write a check and say, you know, here's the money to solve this crisis for you. But I I think it's better to watch her struggle through. Like it's not better to watch, but it, I think she's growing more as a person as she struggles through getting these utility bills paid and the rent, make sure the rent's paid in full every month. I, I think 
having those life uh, lessons put upon her, but knowing as a parent, I could bail her out at any moment. So it's, so it's not hard because I, I know I could financially solve her problem still if, if the need ever arose. Like I'm not going to let her starve to death or get evicted from her apartment. I would step in and, and buffer that. But I, I don't want her to know that. I want her to think that she has to solve these problems. So as a parent, again, I want my children to grow and learn as quickly as possible so they can deal with life as it comes at them. So insulating your child from these things is, is just insulating them from learning opportunities. So I, I'm not having a problem watching this. I, I'm not, I'm not like enjoying it. It's not like a, watching a, a movie unfold on Netflix. I, I mean, it's, it's real life things, but, but I, I'm in constant communication with her just to see that things are working out. So Trevor, these are kind of our four main things. And to, to, what, what, can you think of a, a fifth that? So one more, and this kind of ties back to the budget, but it's, it's at a whole other level and it takes a different kind of discipline, but it's to have an emergency fund. Because when you start out in life and if you don't have an emergency fund, and we've done a show on emergency funds and emergencies are not Christmas, emergencies are not rent, these are known expenses. Emergencies are things that come up that were unanticipated. But as life happens, emergencies arise, financial emergencies. And it's to have an emergency fund so you don't use credit as, as a release valve for when a crisis strikes. Because the minute you start using credit to solve life's problems and it works out, then you're motivated to use credit again to solve the next life problem. But if, at some point in time, life problems are going to stack up one behind the other and credit is going to run out and it won't be able to solve your problems. So having an emergency fund, which is three to six months of expenses. So in a, a life emergency is you lose your job. Well, if you lose your job, you still have to eat, you still have to pay rent, you still have to put gas in your car or, or buy a bus pass or however you transport yourself. Those things don't go away. Those are, are life expenses that, that don't go on hold, even though your income's gone away. So for most young people, their employment is is fairly vulnerable because they, they tend to be the people with the least seniority, the least job experience. Those are the people that are at high risk. So having an emergency fund and having the discipline to build an emergency fund and not spend it on the comforts of life, those two skills, if you can master them at a young age, they will carry you through life so uh, on such a soft ride you'll be insulated from life events so much that that you'll never know but it's it's developing the discipline to build an emergency fund and not spend it on non-emergency events so trevor i can hear a bunch of listeners already saying trevor that sounds so nice in theory i mean that sounds fantastic but is this actually realistic so when we're talking about building an emergency fund we're saying from the day we move out and, 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 and we're working to, 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 to actively start building it then. We're not saying you should have it built out before you leave. You're saying this is a kind of a slow, something we should, should be working towards as, as one of our maybe primary goals when, when we first move out. Well, you know, it, it might take you a year to, to build a three-month emergency fund. And it might take you two or three years to, to get it funded up to six months. If it took that long, that's okay. Just, just be working toward an emergency fund. And again, it's the discipline to not spend that idle money that's just sitting there on the comforts of life. That, that is the, the, the life skill you're actually developing. 
So, Trevor, I, I think those are five really, really solid uh, things to consider when moving out. So, again, to recap, our first one is to be okay with with used furniture and, and, and to just, just be okay with that. Number two is location, location, location. The, number, the third point was uh, learn how to budget, set up a budget, and, and, and use that budget. Number four was to choose who you live with wisely. And, and the fifth addition from Trevor was to build an emergency fund. So to our listeners, I mean, these are only five of the things to consider when moving out. And we share, we're, we're positive you have experienced other experiences and, and lived through other things and, and things you wish you could tell yourself or, or things you're grateful that you did because it benefited you when you first moved out. So we'd love to hear those things. Um, share them with us. We, we'd love to read them and, 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 and definitely explore those on future episodes as well you can always do that at our submission form at livelifesimple.ca or through email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com so trevor that's the end of today's episode on things to consider when moving out thank you to you our listeners for joining us for uh, this episode uh we can't wait to hear what things you think are most important when moving out and we will see you right back here with a new episode next week until then keep it simple